It's April 18th. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm pleased to serve as your travel host as we make this magnificent journey reading through the world's bestseller from cover to cover. We're making our way through the Bible, and today we are in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament and the Gospel according to Luke in the New Testament. The Gospel was present in the Old Testament even though it was veiled and not as clearly understood as it is today for those of us who are living on the resurrection side of Jesus' work on the cross. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, we read Moses' words to the children of Israel, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. He was saying that we are responsible for the truth that we have been shown. In the Old Testament, People are brought into a relationship with God through repentance and faith in the gospel of Christ as they understood it, even though much of the details of the gospel were still hidden from them. In the New Testament, those hidden things come to light, and the mysteries that were concealed in the Old Testament are now revealed in the New Testament. Jesus makes it clear that he is the main character in the Old Testament story, for he is the promised seed of Abraham, he is the Passover lamb, he is the Redeemer, the Rock, the light of their salvation. He is the one who will make it possible for God to have a dwelling place among human beings, and he would give them the ability to subdue the enemy and restore God's rule to the earth. So as we read through the Bible together, we'll be gaining a gospel fluency. We will become more aware of God's redemptive acts in history and how they are pointing to the central act of redemption in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the conquest made possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. So he's the one who brings us into the promises of God, the promised land. In the book of Joshua, we've been reading about allotments of land for each of the tribes, whereas it's possible for those who are not thinking with the mind of Christ to perceive that other people are getting a greater portion than we are. The Apostle Paul reminds us that in Christ, We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. We are members of his body, and we are his inheritance, and he is ours. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul addresses the believers at Corinth who were concerned as to which teacher was worthy of the greatest attention. His answer reminds us not to complain about what we don't have, but rejoice in what we do have in Christ, for all things belong to you. And he's speaking about their teachers, the Apostle Paul and Apollos or Cephas, or, he goes on to say, the world, life, death, or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. So as we pick up our reading in Joshua chapter 16, let us be mindful of the rich blessings we have in our inheritance in Christ. Let's read now of the allotment for Ephraim and Manasseh beginning with verse 1 of chapter 16, the book of Joshua. The allotment of the people of Joseph went from the Jordan by Jericho, east of the waters of Jericho, into the wilderness, going up from Jericho into the hill country of Bethel. Then going from Bethel to Luz, it passes along to Ataroth, the territory of the Archites. Then it goes down westward to the territory of the Japhletites, as far as the territory of Lower Beth-Haron, then to Gezer, and it ends at the sea. The people of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim received their inheritance. 
The territory of the people of Ephraim by their clans was as follows. The boundary of their inheritance on the east was Ataroth-Adar, as far as upper Beth-Haron, and the boundary goes from there to the sea. On the north is Michmethath. Then on the east, the boundary turns around towards Ta'anath-Shiloh and passes along beyond it on the east to Janoa. Then it goes down from Janoa to Ataroth and to Naara and touches Jericho, ending at the Jordan. From Tapua, the boundary goes westward to the brook Kana and ends at the sea. Such is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Ephraim by their clans, together with the towns that were set apart for the people of Ephraim within the inheritance of the Manassites, all those towns with their villages. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, so the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. Chapter 17 Then allotment was made to the people of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph. To Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, were allotted Gilead and Bashan, because he was a man of war. And allotments were made to the rest of the people of Manasseh by their clans, Abiezer, Helek, Azriel, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemidah. These were the male descendants of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, by their clans. Now Salafahad, the son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters, and these are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. They approached Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the leaders, and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance along with our brothers. So according to the mouth of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among the brothers of their father. Thus there fell to Manasseh ten portions, besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which is on the other side of the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance along with his sons. The land of Gilead was allotted to the rest of the people of Manasseh. The territory of Manasseh reached from Asher to Michmethoth, which is east of Shechem, and the boundary goes along southward to the inhabitants of Antapua. The land of Tapua belonged to Manasseh, but the town of Tapua on the boundary of Manasseh belonged to the people of Ephraim. Then the boundary went down to the brook Kana. These cities, to the south of the brook, among the cities of Manasseh, belong to Ephraim. Then the boundary of Manasseh goes on the north side of the brook and ends at the sea, the land to the south being Ephraim's, and that to the north being Manasseh's, with the sea forming its boundary. On the north Asher is reached, and on the east Issachar. Also in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh had beth Shean and its villages, and Iblim and its villages, and the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, and the inhabitants of Endor and its villages, and the inhabitants of Ta'anach and its villages, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. The third is Naphath. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. 
Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I am a numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed me? And Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest, and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The people of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us. Yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron, both those in Beth Shean and its villages, and those in the valley of Jezreel. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to the farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron, and though they are strong. Chapter 18 The Allotment of the Remaining Land Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Provide three men from each tribe, and I will send them out, that they may set out and go up and down the land. They shall write a description of it with a view to their inheritances, and then come to me. They shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall continue in his territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall continue in their territory on the north. And you shall describe the land in seven divisions, and bring the description here to me. And I will cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. The Levites have no portion among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. And Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan eastward, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave them. So the men arose and went, and Joshua charged those who went to write the description of the land, saying, Go up and down in the land and write a description and return to me, and I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and passed up and down in the land and wrote in a book a description of it by towns in seven divisions. Then they came to Joshua to the camp at Shiloh, and Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel, to each his portion. The Inheritance for Benjamin The lot of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to its clans, came up. And the territory allotted to it fell between the people of Judah and the people of Joseph. On the north side, their boundary began at the Jordan. Then the boundary goes up to the shoulder north of Jericho, then up through the hill country westward, and it ends at the wilderness of Beth-Aven. From there, the boundary passes along southward in the direction of Luz, to the shoulder of Luz, that is Bethel. Then the boundary goes down to Ataroth-Adar, on the mountain that lies south of lower Beth-Haron. Then the boundary goes in another direction, turning on the western side southward from the mountain that lies to the south, opposite Beth-Haron, and it ends at Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jarim, a city belonging to the people of Judah. 
This forms the western side, and the southern side begins at the outskirts of Kiriath Jearim, and the boundary goes from there to Ephron, to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah. Then the boundary goes down to the border of the mountain that overlooks the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is at the north end of the valley of Rephaim. And then it goes down the valley of Hinnom, south of the shoulder of the Jebusites, and downward to Enrogel. Then it bends in a northerly direction, going on to Enshemesh, and from there it goes to Geliloth, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim. And then it goes down to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben, and passing on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Araba, it goes down to the Araba. Then the boundary passes on the north side of the shoulder of Beth Hogla, and the boundary ends at the northern bay of the Salt Sea, at the south end of the Jordan. This is the southern border. The Jordan forms its boundary on the eastern side. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin, according to their clans, boundary by boundary, all around. Now the cities of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to their clans, were Jericho, Beth Hogla, Emek Keziz, Beth Araba, Zem Mararim, Bethel, Avim, Para, Ophra, Shephar, Ammonai, Ophni, Geba, twelve cities with their villages Gibeon, Rama, Bararoth, Mizpah, Shephara, Moza, Rechem, Erpiel, Tarala, Zela, Haelf, Jebus, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kiriath Jearim, fourteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin according to its clans. Now let's take a moment to step back and review what we've just read. Joshua and Eleazar continue to assign territories to the twelve tribes by casting lots at Gilgal. They are fulfilling the instructions given by Moses. So Moses commanded the sons of Israel, saying, This is the land that you are to apportion by lot among you as a possession, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine and a half tribes. Numbers chapter 34, verse 13. We don't know all the details of how decisions are made by casting lots, but the first example we have in Scripture is when Aaron, the high priest, cast lots to determine which of the two goats on the great feast of atonement would be chosen to be sacrificed as a sin offering and which one would be led into the wilderness as a scapegoat. The goat slain as an offering pictured the Godward side of the atonement, called propitiation, the satisfaction of God's justice. The goat that was led by a fit man far away into the wilderness represented the manward side of atonement, called expiation. That is the removal of guilt from our account and conscience, as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103, verse 12. Eleazar, like Aaron, was a priest, and would have had two stones, the Urim and the Thummim, in a pouch beneath his breastplate. These stones would be used in some way to determine the will of the Lord. In some cases, decisions were made by casting lots, like dice. But this is not God's chosen means today, in the age of the Holy Spirit. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 16.33 Ephraim and Manasseh were the sons of Joseph, and were adopted by Jacob, who blessed them as if they were his own sons. Genesis chapter 48, verses 15 to 22. When Jacob blessed the younger Ephraim, we saw the continuation of the pattern in the Bible. The natural firstborn, by God's sovereign doing, is superseded by the second. 
Jacob gave his blessing to the second-born Ephraim rather than the first-born Manasseh, saying that Ephraim will be greater. This is a spiritual principle. First comes that which is natural, our first birth, in Adam. Then comes that which is spiritual, our second birth, in Christ. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. This is a spiritual anomaly. Naturally speaking, the firstborn has the birthright, but God is showing that he will intervene in history in a special way to accomplish his sovereign purpose. The tribe of Levi did not get an inheritance in the land as they were allotted their place of service in the cities and the tabernacle. So splitting the inheritance of the household of Joseph into two, the tribes of sons Ephraim and Manasseh, meant that there still would be twelve tribes overall getting their portions in the land. Although the tribe of Manasseh did not get the blessing of the firstborn, they certainly received plenty of territory on both sides of the Jordan. You may remember that the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh requested to settle east of the Jordan River because they found that the land was suitable for their livestock. Numbers chapter 32, verses 16 to 17. This is why there would be only nine and a half tribes west of the Jordan. Moses said that this request would be honored if their men joined with the rest of the tribes in the conquest of the land to the west. This they did, proving to be great warriors. Joshua chapter 17, verse 2. The men of these tribes kept their promise in helping their brothers in the conquest of Canaan east of the Jordan. Joshua will commend them for their faithful service in the campaign in chapter 22, verses 1 to 4. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, and have listened to my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he spoke to them. Therefore turn now and go to your tents, to the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you beyond the Jordan. Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. Although Manasseh's territory was larger than Ephraim's territory, it was Ephraim's land that was perhaps the most desirable in the promised land. It was known for its beauty and fertility. The history of Ephraim, however, is a sad one. In the future, the prophet Hosea will use Ephraim as an example of unfaithfulness, mentioning Ephraim 37 times in a negative light, showing how they accommodated the idolatry of the nations. The failure of this tribe begins here as they fail to drive out the Canaanites. We read in Joshua chapter 16, verse 10, But they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites live in the midst of Ephraim to this day, and they became forced laborers. The examples of the twelve tribes are for our instruction. They warn us who have believed God and have received our inheritance in Christ that we can still fail to appropriate all that is ours in Christ. How can this be? If we are passive, indifferent, or complicit with the enemies that war against our souls, the world, the flesh, and the devil, we are sure to fall short of our call to fruitfulness. Remember, Ephraim meant fruitful. Jesus said to his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Another reason God's chosen people can fail to be fruitful is prayerlessness. Do we abide in Christ and boldly ask the Father for that which would bring glory to his name and blessing to the lives of others? 
We sometimes fail to experience the fullness of what is ours in Christ because we want an easy life. We don't like conflict. We would prefer not to have to drive out the enemy, thinking that we can resist him passively. G. Campbell Morgan writes, quote, The gifts of God to his people belong to them because he bestows them, but they can only be really possessed by conflict, and thus by the action of those upon whom they are bestowed. To fail to appropriate divine gifts by conflict against enemies is to lose them. The things that are ours by divine grace we must make ours by our own devotion. End quote. From Searchlights from the Word, page 68. In Joshua chapter 17, we meet the daughters of Zelophehad once again. Remember Zelophehad, who was of the tribe of Manasseh? He had no sons, so his daughters made the plea for an allotment of territory upholding their deceased father's right of inheritance in the promised land. Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 11. Like the daughter of Caleb, these women demonstrated a strong faith and were forthright in claiming God's promises and making known their requests. We see in these chapters that Joshua is not just a bold military leader, he is a wise administrator and a godly leader. The tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim complain about their allotted portions and complain to Joshua that they deserve better. They reminded Joshua that he too was from the great tribe of Ephraim in Numbers chapter 13 verse 8. Should not they be given greater consideration? Joshua responds, saying in effect, If you are so great, why don't you get out to your mountains and forests and clear the land you have been given? He reminded them that what they were given was indeed full of potential. There is a way to enlarge your borders by extending your occupiable land within. Fulfill your assignment. In chapter 18, the tabernacle is set up in Shiloh about 25 miles north of Jerusalem, where it will remain for about 300 years through the period of the judges where it will eventually be captured by the Philistines. David will rescue it one day and bring it to Jerusalem. Seven tribes are slow to take possession of the land, so Joshua initiates a new plan to inspire them to take action. He sends out three men from each tribe to write a description with a view to the inheritance. They would list the cities, describe the landmarks, and note the distinctive features of each territory. Joshua would divide the land, and they would describe it. Then Joshua and Eleazar would cast lots for it before the Lord. A good leader will get others involved in seeing the possibilities in the future. He will encourage them to experience the fullness of what God has promised. Since Benjamin was a full brother to Joseph, both having Rachel as their mother The tribe of Benjamin is given territory next to Ephraim and Manasseh. Now let's go to the New Testament, where we're reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 27. Jesus and Zacchaeus, Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And this is the end of our New Testament reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Let me recap with some observations. Not only does Jesus meet and heal blind Bartimaeus as he comes to Jericho, but it is in Jericho that he calls Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, to come down from the sycamore tree where he's trying to get a good look at Jesus. He gets more than a good look. He gets salvation. Jesus invites himself to stay at Zacchaeus' house. On Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem, we see a contrast in people's responses to him. He met at least two rich men at Jericho, the rich religious ruler and Zacchaeus. One went away sorrowing, the other welcomes Jesus joyfully. One could not give up what he had. One gave away half of what he had. One sought salvation through his own works of righteousness. The other found salvation in the person of Jesus. One remained unchanged. The other was so transformed by the salvation he found in Jesus that he gave away half of his goods and restored to those he cheated in the past four times the amount he had swindled from them. Jesus commends Zacchaeus as being a bona fide son of Abraham because he was putting his faith in God's promise, a living Savior. Next, Jesus gives a parable that reflects who he is as Israel's master and hope. He describes a nobleman who calls his servants into a relationship with himself in which they are given special privileges. He asks each one to invest what he gives them, a certain amount of money known as a mina. The parable 
parallels what Jesus has been teaching about the delay of his return to set up his kingdom. He is coming back again. He will return as judge, and all must give an account, especially those to whom he delegated responsibility, his servants, such as Israel. Verse 14, however, does not just reflect the rebellion that was found in many in Israel, but the heart of unregenerate man. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Luke 19, verse 14. When the nobleman returns, he is not just a nobleman, he is the king. He calls his servants to give an account. Those who are faithful with what they were given are not only commended, they are rewarded. However, the man who had no respect for the nobleman he was called to serve buried his mina. Perhaps he was intimidated by the slander of the citizens and believed their false reports. He had no faith in his master's goodwill or that he would return, although he held a position as his servant. This is a warning to those who have been given the privilege of God's word. We need to steward the gospel revelation faithfully. Don't presume to have a right relationship with the king if you don't honor him with trust. This man suffers loss, and those who would not have this man to rule over them will experience divine retribution. Now let's go to the Bible songbook, the book of Psalms, where we read Psalm 87. Glorious things of you are spoken, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her. For the Most High Himself will establish her. The Lord records as He registers the peoples, This one was born there. Singers and dancers alike say, All my springs are in you. This is the end of our reading from the book of Psalms. The psalmist sings of the city of God, Jerusalem. The city represents God's promise. Indeed, God chose Jerusalem to be the center stage in the drama of redemption. It is there that Jesus would be crucified, buried, and raised. It would be from the Mount of Olives, outside the city gates, where Jesus ascended and where he will return to reign. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So when the psalmist sings of the city of God, he is singing of the consummation of all the purposes of God and his wondrous gift of salvation. When we are born again, we are made citizens of heaven, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus. But of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. Psalm 87 verse 5 When the psalmist sings the last verse, it is not of a city made with hands that he sings, but a city whose builder and maker is God, and the Lord who is the light of the city. In Psalm 87 verse 7, Then those who sing as well as those who play the flutes shall say, All my springs of joy are in you. Have you tapped into the joy of the gospel hope? Now let's go to the book of Proverbs. Today's proverb is another reminder of the blessing of good, honest, hard work. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Remember that. 
Wealth obtained by fraud will evaporate, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. The good, honest, hard work of a man or woman will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, there is much to learn in these passages about stewardship. Forgive us for complaining about our allotment. Help us to develop what you have given us to the fullest potential. Help us to honor you with the revelation, the time, the talents, and the gifts you have given us. We do not take these privileges lightly. We do not despise your gifts. We rejoice that you have made us fellow citizens in your forever city. We rejoice in what we have in you. May we sing and shout your praises. May all that flows forth from our lives be to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in this year's Bible reading tour. I hope you're finding it helpful. There are some who say that you read the Bible just as you would any other book. What they may be missing is that the Bible is not just like any other book. It is distinct in its revelatory nature and requires the illumination of the Spirit. You remember that Jesus opened the eyes and set the hearts of his disciples ablaze after he rose from the dead and met with them on the Emmaus Road in Luke chapter 24. There he explained the scriptures to them and gave them understanding. Our prayer is that he will continue to be at work opening our eyes and setting our hearts on fire. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you, and you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And you can learn more about the ministries of New Life at our website, newlife.org, and also subscribe to a free daily email with a written commentary with charts and maps and pictures that help you navigate your way through the one-year Bible readings. The website's easy to find, newlife.org. And don't forget to let others know about this podcast. Responding, indicating a like, or clicking subscribe wherever you get your podcasts will help us in our mission to spread the word and the love of the truth. God bless you, and may he keep you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Shalom. Shalom.